Hello, adventurers, and welcome to the World of Azuria podcast. My name is Beth Ball, and I'm the author of the Age of Azuria High Fantasy series, which we'll be exploring in this show. In some episodes, we'll be swept away into the high fantasy world of Azuria as I read chapters from the novels and stories. In others, we'll dive into some of the lore behind Azuria, and I'll answer your questions about the world, characters, and more. If you enjoy high fantasy worlds, immersive settings, nature-based magic, and vivid characters, then this podcast is for you. In our first season, we'll explore Aurora, the prequel novella for the Age of Azuria high fantasy series. Today, we have episode six, which is actually covering chapter five of Aurora. In episode five, we talked about Esmeralda's tarot reading from chapter four. So um, let's start our adventure. Evening rain lent its cadence to Doric's thoughts of Amelie. He imagined petals falling from the flowering trees of Aurora, coating the ground in a pattern unique to this rainstorm alone. The next morning, as the sun emerged and dried them, servants would come and sweep them to the side. Others would crush them beneath their feet. They would brown and join the earth once more. Why does she allow herself to remain so unhappy? Her delightful presence inspired him toward a better version of himself, a Doric who was braver, more forthcoming. It was only right, he resolved, that he attempt, for Amélie's sake, to bring that better elf into being. The next time he saw her, he would speak honestly. I should dearly love to see you enjoying the... No, that wouldn't do. Dearest Amélie, was there a way to address the issue that wasn't brash? Or was he simply presuming to know what was best for her as he sensed Calderon dead? Why, besides his own feelings, should he assume that he knew better? These doubts clouded Doric's mind the next morning as he and Lady Amastasia met for their walk deeper into the woods. He was determined to let her speak as she chose and to give her a reprieve from the expectations placed on her by her life inside the court. Anything further would be advancing his own agenda rather than responding to her needs and desires. Amelie was quiet on their walk to the forest edges, her mood perhaps dampened by his. They walked through the trees, following a faint path that wound its way through the woodland. The trail narrowed, and Amélie stepped ahead of him, reaching back to take his hand in hers. Doric's heart thrummed in his chest, sonorous enough to scare away any creature that prowled nearby. She asked for more details about his childhood, what life had been like in Invealenor, the white marble city sheltered entirely by the cave from which it was carved. Doric diverted her next set of questions about his travels to ask after her experiences. What had it been like to be a young noblewoman in Linolin? Where had she visited across Caldara, and where else in the world would she go if given the chance? After some encouragement, Amelie detailed her life in Ayokeep and her favorite aspects of Linolin's culture. She had a great curiosity for the future direction of her nation under the prince once he was crowned king. From what you told me yesterday, Doric said, your family's heritage connects to this estate, does it not? Yes, Aurora has been part of the Amastasia holdings since before Linolin was a kingdom. Amelie glanced back at him. If I may be so bold, then, why is it that we have a king and prince Arantis and not a queen Amastasia? Amelie laughed heartily, shaking her head. 
That wouldn't do at all, Doric. My mother was not in the line of succession, and, besides, she would not have enjoyed being queen. She only has so much patience for dealing with outside matters, and our new princess is far better suited to supporting the throne and managing the court than she or I would be. Doric smiled, enjoying her amusement. He raised an eyebrow. Ah, but I am speaking of you and your mother running the kingdom and having others who would support your rule. That's not treason to suggest, is it? He spun around, dramatically scanning the woods behind them for Arontis soldiers. She laughed again. No, though it may have been under the first King Arontis, more than a century ago. She held up a finger in false caution to him. Still during your lifetime, as not all of us are as old as you. Doric clasped his hands to his chest and gasped, affecting offense. Your banter wounds me deeply, your ladyship, he proclaimed. But I shall persevere in spite of this effrontery. He straightened. You should know that I am still considered quite young for an elf. Why, I have been a diplomat for only sixty-one years. I am in my prime, you see. But of course, Amelie curtsied as much as she was able on the forest path without snagging her dress. I should never have asserted anything to the contrary. She grinned as she rose. And to answer your earlier question... Through a series of marriages and successions that I was obligated to learn at one point in time, but have since forgotten... The rule of Linnellyn passed out of the Amastasia line relatively peacefully. We've retained this estate and are the second most prominent family of the realm. How fortunate for the realm, Doric observed. I remain curious, Lady Amastasia. What is your life like now? Their playful discourse had given him enough encouragement to ask, and he had fulfilled his promise to himself. If Amelie said that she was happy in her present situation, despite whatever evidence to the contrary, he would press no further. He couldn't wish for her to say that she was dissatisfied either, but a small part of him hoped that she might desire something more. Her smile faded and Amelie grew quiet. She began walking again without taking his hand, and Doric followed after her. After a few minutes of silence, Amelie told him about some of her daily tasks and her part in the running of a prominent household. She said nothing of Calderon or her son Bruden. Try as he might, the elf could not silence his inner romantic, who dearly wished to add meaning to this omission. Doric inhaled sharply as the courtyard unfolded before him. The ancient holy site was perfectly situated at the crest of a rise so that a visitor wouldn't perceive it until just before they arrived. Even then, they would only glimpse enough to inflame their curiosity. He took Amelie's hand again, gazing at the moss-covered stones. Below them rested a circular lower level made of planed stone with a few crumbled square platforms that rose out of the ground on either side. The seams between the stones were full of dense, dark green moss that contrasted with the lighter mosses and brilliant green leaves of the surrounding foliage. The courtyard's upper level created a half circle around the first, with stairs leading down on either side. From his and Amelie's position overlooking the courtyard, he could not see where another entrance might have been, the one used by Silras and his companions in her story. But the layout indicated that the forest had once held a second time-worn path that led either to the opposite end of the mezzanine or perhaps opened onto the lower story. A stone railing, each piece at one time perfectly cut and placed together, remained mostly intact, with only a few of the arches having fallen to the unworkings of time. 
At the center of the mezzanine, and likely the focal point of the entire structure, were four stone pillars rising a story and a half high, supporting a domed roof large enough for two people and a cleric to easily fit beneath it and proclaim their love to those gathered below. This must be what Amelie had referred to when she described Silvris transforming the area into a temple for his marriage to Aurora. Doric imagined the elf's first encounter with Aurora, walking through the forest with his friends, or perhaps wandering alone, following his feet to a familiar favorite space from an earlier adventure. In his heart, he would have sensed an imminent shift, a quickening of his spirit, the unmistakable impression that his life would soon change forever. Doric had felt those same stirrings as he watched the Kaldaran coast coming into view. Silvers's footsteps would have stopped the moment he saw Aurora, unaware that she was waiting for him, but drawn by a similar sense of fate. She would have been leaning against the railing of the upper mezzanine, or on the central dais under the circular stone archway. To the young princess, from her position on the terrace, gazing out across the courtyard with its mossy stones holding the secrets of ages past, it would have seemed as though the entire space belonged to her, had been created for her, perhaps precisely for this moment. The elf would have experienced the great joy and wonder of something known being made new once more. "'Beautiful lady,' the silverist of his imagination called out, wishing to dazzle the young woman without startling her from her reverie. "'Might I have your permission to trespass on your domain?' What Aurora would have thought as this transpired, he couldn't say. Maybe these wise human women found Elvin bravado to be disingenuous, an empty show that aimed to impress those of shorter lifespans, but quicker discernment. Maybe the princess had only found Silvers interesting because he was different from those she encountered at her estate, that would have been more common in the past millennia for the Caldoran elves to interact with their human neighbors than it was at present. Doric shut his eyes tightly to remove himself from the fantasy of the past and rejoin Amelie in the courtyard. She stopped a few paces away from the entrance and leaned against the railing that curved around the lower circle of stones. This was not precisely the positioning he had envisioned for Aurora and Lenolin's past, but it was captivating nonetheless. It was only as he drew closer to her that he saw the tears gathering in her eyes. Amelie, he whispered. She looked away. He waited once more, half an arm's length from her, every muscle in his body strained into stillness. An eternal moment passed, and she turned back to him. Her lower lip trembled, but words did not emerge. She reached out and laid her hand on his chest. Doric's jaw clenched, watching her. He tucked his fingers beneath hers and raised them to his mouth, kissing the knuckles. A tear fell, and still she said nothing. Doric took a step nearer. His heart leapt as she closed the distance between them. Unable to prevent himself, Doric ran his thumb over her cheek to wipe away the tear. Amelie caught his hand and held it against her face, closing her sapphire eyes. The sound of his shallow breaths filled the courtyard. When she looked at him again, her gaze swept between his peridot eyes and wide elven mouth. Doric needed no other sign. He wrapped his arm around her waist and lowered his lips to hers. Thank you so much for joining me for today's adventure through Aurora in the world of Azuria. If you'd like to find out more about me or my fiction, you can find me at bethballbooks.com. You can also find my books worldwide at your favorite bookstore or ask your local librarian to add them to the library catalog. To stay up to date with the world of Azuria and be the first to know about upcoming fiction projects, visit bethballbooks.com join. 
I would love for you to be a part of my reading community, The Story Enclave. And as a special thanks to you, for a limited time, you'll receive a free ebook copy of Aurora when you sign up. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at BethBallAuthor or on Twitter at GroveGuardian. Today's episode is sponsored by the first novel in the Age of Azuria High Fantasy series, Buried Heroes, available at BethBallBooks.com shop or at your favorite bookseller. If you enjoyed our time together today and would like to hear more stories set in Azuria, you can support the podcast at ko-fi.com slash bethball. That's ko-fi.com slash bethball. Happy travels. I hope that you're as excited for Doric and Amelie as I am. And I also hope that we'll be adventuring together again soon.